Welcome back to Two on Five, boys and girls. I'm Brett, and joining me from all the way on the other side of Iowa, it's Drake. How you What's doing, up, buddy? Y'all? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Just living that life over in the dirty Kia Cook. You know, that little East Coast funk lifestyle. Well, thank God for that. Yeah. Just as a reminder, everybody, uh, Two on Five is the show where Drake and I try to organize our thoughts on whatever topic we've selected for that week, and we're going to bring it in a handy, beautiful, cons- compact and concise top five list for you we're gonna rank them five to one this week we're talking about something that's near and dear to my very 90s kid heart it's uh movie soundtracks and um these were a big deal especially as a kid in the 90s because this was your connection to a film uh even after that film had been released in the theaters you know we didn't have the instant streaming like we do now. And so the soundtracks really served as that vehicle to remember that movie, remember the style and feel of the movie uh, were a big part of 90s teenage culture. Oh, yeah. And the what, what's so interesting is how it really fell off. I mean, like, I feel like that was a big deal. It was a big deal. And then like 2003 hit. And they don't do it anymore. It's like it just became pointless or something. The only thing, you, the only thing you still see like any type of soundtrack album coming out for is like Disney movies, you know, like a musical. Yeah, but... I, I would imagine that the the explosion of the iPod and um, you know what that did to serve the hit single market probably has something to do with that where you know when we were kids we used to have to go to the local sam goody and buy an entire album uh to get the song that we wanted and i feel like oh yeah digital music probably helped pare that down where you could capture the one or two songs that you really like and move on um, yeah not so spend it probably made it a lot. dollars yeah you know i mean we kind of had to take a gamble and you know spend a a week's allowance or you know four hours worth of pay just to get an album and hope that we like five songs on it. Um, And sometimes we were pleasantly surprised. I mean, some of these on my list are ones that I didn't expect to love front to back, but partly out of necessity, I learned to love them. Oh yeah. Cause I'm sure. uh, Exactly. Like you got, you got to get your money's worth out of that. Mm. And the cool thing was for me, I was, like, like you were saying, I was always buying one of these soundtracks for one of these songs. Like it was like, this song is dope. I want to have it. But then you'd listen to it and inevitably you'd at least get one other song or maybe even get turned on to a whole new artist that you'd never even heard of. Yo. So let's get started. Uh, for me, staying in this vein of being a total 90s kid, my number five is the Empire Records soundtrack. Oh, um, <laughs> this movie is the nineties. Um, and it's soundtrack is the nineties. We're talking about the gin blossoms toad, the wet sprocket better than Ezra, the cranberries, um, just every bit of sappy, uh, whiny long hair in your eyes, uh, type of music that really captured the mid nineties, especially like 94 to 96. Um, great movie in itself. I mean, we're talking about Joey Lauren Adams, Liv Tyler, 
you know, uh, some great actors and actresses in this movie. It was a, a fun movie about independent record store an independent record store uh, and their fight to their fight against capitalism, essentially. But this soundtrack was one that just stuck with me, especially being a, a teenage kid and feeling whiny and feeling sappy at times. This this soundtrack just did it for me. Oh, yeah. Like, I first of all, like my love for that movie is just insane. It's it's literally like one of my like probably three favorite movies ever. But I just. I almost feel like the soundtrack is more famous than the movie at this point. Agreed. Like, like, uh, I don't I don't know if we're if over in Keokuk or whatever. You had a lot of like record stores but around here we had these uh cd warehouses i'm sure you saw them when you were in college over here yeah and you and like you'd go in and they just it was just it was only used records they really didn't even have anything new and i think each one had 10 copies of the empire Records soundtrack and like you know i mean it was just like i feel like that was a cd that sold a lot and it just turned over a lot and i mean oh yeah just so good the soundtrack performed financially way better than the movie did. Um, you know, the movie was kind of a limited release, uh, you know, didn't spend much time in the box office, but that album was everywhere. Um, and honestly, the the poster art for that film and the cover art for the soundtrack is something that I still can remember to this day. You know, the, the entire group with Liv Tyler's arms outstretched. I had that poster in my room for years. Um, you know, really does just sum up that life as a nineties teen. Oh yeah. And like, this is one of those movies that like, you know, when, uh, when my daughter is finally old enough to watch it, I'm not even sure I'll be able to explain it to her. Oh, like, you know, like, okay, well, I mean, they work at a, like you, you have to break it down so far. Like they work at a record store. Okay. And <laughs> you, you know, I mean like, right. right the, like the, the first sentence in the premise doesn't make sense, but, but like the soundtrack, you're absolutely right. It's just, it's just this immediate, like takes you to a place, reminds it's a time you capsule. of three scenes from the movie, you mm-hmm. know, like it, it's just perfect. Yep. Definitely. So my number five is more recent than that. Uh, and I, I honestly wanted to place this higher, but I didn't want for me, I didn't want it to be like, well, it just came out. Uh, last year but for me uh, my number five i'm putting the black panther soundtrack hell yes um i love this soundtrack it makes me happy this is what this is one of those uh like soundtracks where it's definitely more inspired by the uh music from the movie i think there's only like two songs that are actually even in black panther on the entire soundtrack it's much more like uh jay-z's american gangster album you know, where yeah. there is music that was inspired by a film, but is really its own separate entity. Yeah. And like for, uh, the album was uh, curated by Kendrick Lamar. He's on basic almost every track. He is on some, every track, even the ones he's not credited for. But regardless, uh, he his presence is definitely felt throughout the entire album. And it's almost like he was just like. I love this movie and I'm going to kind of just throw a party and invite my buddies. And (laughs) like, you know, I mean, because it's got 
it's got just this wide range of artists. I mean, you've got uh, Vince Staples, and then from there, you've also got Future doing the funniest thing that happened <laughs> to me in 2018. Grammy and, winning, yeah, sir. Yeah, Grammy winning thing where he goes into a falsetto and talks about slobbing him on his knob. And it's hilarious. And what's funny is, like, it's so funny, but actually do- it still doesn't break the character of what Lamar's doing with the album, which is right. very much a mood and sort of trying to assign tracks kind of to characters, but he's not married to it. I just, I love that. I just love the album. It's just a great rap album. And it, it's makes me want more Kendrick Lamar in general. I just, I was, I was just, I was just blown away by it. Agreed. Uh, and I'm the fact save... that Mar- go ahead. And the fact that Marvel let them, go off like this yes. is a rap album that is explicit it, it does not hold anything back and it was for the second biggest movie of 2018 you know like mm-hmm. that was released by disney like <laughs> that's wild yeah i'm going to uh reserve my comments for later because we may talk about this one again later as we climb our oh. list hmm. uh Our- so for me Oh, shoot. Uh, This is your turn, isn't it? Yep. This is. Uh, So so in the vein of what your number five was, my number four is very much a picture of a snapshot of me at like like 15. Uh, My number four is the Scream 2 soundtrack. Oh, man. With your patchy Um, beard and your beanie cap. Oh, man. Yes. And your jorts. just, Just getting ready to, you know, go see every... Uh... It was, it was, uh, you know, Jinko jeans, my guy, but let's be, but let's be real. But, um, the Scream 2 soundtrack, it's just so it's, it's 1997 rock, alt rock, just boiled down. I mean, I, I, and like, there's some other artists on it too, but like I wrote down a few of them just cause it's, it's literally Sugar Ray, the Foo Fighters, Everclear, Tonic, the Cottonmouth Kings, you know, it's, Oh my God. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just, it's very much this soundtrack could only happen at this point. And, um, the one, the one thing that I do really appreciate about, uh, that about the soundtrack is most of the songs are actually in the movie, which is kind of surprising. Um, just because you've got that many, that much that you're trying to have happen. Um, the biggest problem with it right now is just uh, licensing rights and everything. It's not on streaming. So you right. gotta have a, a physical copy, but I don't know. I just, I love, I, I loved it. And like, like I said, like there's an Everclear song on there. That's like a top five Everclear song for me. It's just, it's a, it's a, and it's a good album. It's fun to listen to. It, uh, it really is an, another time capsule when you start rattling off, you know, collective soul, Cottonmouth King, Sugar Ray, uh, Dave Matthews, less than Jake. Uh, let's not forget D'Angelo. <laughs> and for his long break. Oh boy. And my guy Silk the Shocker. Oh yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, Scream. The Scream soundtracks in general did a great job of incorporating the music into the films. Um, I feel like they had an easier go at that because you're dealing with teenage or you know young uh people in the movie and so it was a pretty easy way to you know kind of wedge the music into a scene 
but definitely captures 1997 in all of its glory. <laughs> nope. So for me, um, I tried to get a little ahead of it earlier. This one's a little bit different than, say, Black Panther, just going a completely different direction. It is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. I oh, mean, this 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 soundtrack was a monster. Wasn't it, though? It was uh, a monster. It's like multiple millions. It's just wild to me. I mean, this is a great film um, in itself. You know, everybody knows it's George Clooney running around in bibs, uh, talking funny. But it, it really is just it's such a fun movie. Uh, did a great job of incorporating music throughout the film. Um, and for a lot of folks, it opened them up to a genre of music that they probably weren't didn't realize they were ready for. Uh, when you start talking about some of this old timey, um, you know, step away from gospel, but still very much that similar gospel style. And then also getting into some of the more hillbilly and bluegrass music um, that just fit perfectly with this film. And, you know, even if you weren't a fan of, you know, the shit kicking kind of music um this this soundtrack allowed you to have fun with it and see that there was there was a level of talent there that you may not have appreciated ahead of time oh yeah like mumford and sons owes their entire fucking career oh god yeah this movie you know i mean and like that's fine and i mean i can i can appreciate the you know throwback alt country rock stuff whatever but like there's just like there's a whole cottage industry that I just feel like doesn't exist if this soundtrack doesn't, you know, become the monster that it was. It was just so big and like right. weirdly big. And like, it, I don't think it I, like it didn't sell as much as like Tragic Kingdom, but that's what it reminds me of where it's like it just felt like everybody I knew owned this CD. You know what and, I mean? Like, and it was always people that surprised you like, oh, it's right next to your Marilyn Manson albums or you know, your jewel album. Yeah. Um, and you're just like, all right. Yeah. And like, and the thing was like, nobody was ever mad when it came on, you know, it's just like, Oh no, yeah, this, that's good. No, yeah. like absolutely. And like, just, and it just a, interesting in a way, like, because it was, I feel like most soundtracks are definitely driven by pop culture. Whereas mm -hmm. I feel like this soundtrack actually drove pop culture itself. Oh, like agreed. agreed you know it was just it, it like it just grabbed hold and demanded attention in a way that i feel like a lot of you know movie soundtracks in general and even popular music like it's just it wasn't it it wasn't following a trend it was starting a trend which is crazy yeah especially at the time i mean we've rattled off uh three different soundtracks at this point um from the 1990s and when you look at the way commercial music and the way soundtracks were normally handled in the 90s i mean this one did do it differently um i know george clooney had you know a fair amount to do with that in regards to legitimizing this film and he does an amazing job selling the bit but uh yeah it just it, it's something that's really special that 
honestly, if it came out today, I would uh, probably have a harder time admitting how much I liked it. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of country music. And, you know, this was one that nobody could argue with it. Like it just hit. And no matter what you were into, you were going to enjoy this album. And that's really special. Mm-hmm. For sure. So my number three. Wait, no. That, yeah, my number three. Um, OK. Yeah, I'm just skipping around. I'm sorry about that. That's fine. <laughs> I'm just so excited to talk about uh, the Forrest Gump soundtrack. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And here's here's why. Um, I grew up in a fairly religious household, which is interesting, especially now that I wouldn't say that my family is not religious, but it has definitely backed off a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, one thing as I be, like once I became a teenager that I really realized was how limited my scope was when it came to music. And when I saw Forrest Gump and I heard a lot of music that I hadn't heard before, which if you've looked at the Forrest Gump set list is crazy because they are some of the biggest songs in the world just yeah. ever. But I'm, I mean, these are not, generational songs. They are. And I really hadn't heard them. And I think, and I do think a, a large part of that was just, I was in such a religious household that was very, we just didn't listen to secular music. And it was, and it wasn't even like a thing where my family was like, making it out to be like demonic we just didn't you know what i mean it wasn't i i don't know how to explain it other than that it wasn't so much of a uh that's evil it was just that's just not what what was played a lot and so you guys already know where this is going uh number one on brett's list is footloose uh (sighs) the story of a man beating a religion with his feet uh i'm sorry go ahead no you're (laughs) you're uh not completely accurate, but, and like, regardless. So like, you know, I'd heard a little bit of it, but a lot, just a lot of those songs hit and it, mm. and they hit in ways that I was just, you know, I mean, there's a reason why they're literally some of the biggest, re- biggest records that have ever, you know, been. And yeah. I don't know, like it's, it's hard for me to it's it, basically I feel like the way I'm, the way I'm describing this makes it sound like I was in this super repressed, crazy household. And like, <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I don't feel like I was. And like, also the older I got, the like less uptight my parents got. So I don't sure. know, but you know, I mean, like just like looking at it, like there was just some stuff I'd never heard. And especially like the stuff that's from the late sixties and into the seventies on that soundtrack, just because that was like, uh, and that still is like my dad's like weak point. Basically. I feel like after 1970, my dad pretends music didn't keep going. So, Ah. you know, like once, once, you know, you start getting into like the doobie brothers and like Fleetwood Mac and all that, like that was just blowing my mind. And so, you know, Forrest Gump, as a movie is whatever. I mean, it's a baby boomers wet dream and you know, yes, whatever. Like 
I, I don't have as many problems with it as I used to, but it's still whatever. And the soundtrack is brilliant in the way of just we're going to get the biggest songs ever. But it's also because of that, it's also like the most uninspired thing ever. But it holds a place in my heart for that reason. So, well, and when you look at the album cover, you know, it's essentially the uh, the cover poster. art from the movie movie poster. But it says right at the top, 34 American classics. Um, so first of all, this was a two disc soundtrack, which is pretty amazing. Like, I think how much that, that licensing had to be. Oh, Christ. Um, you know, that's something that when we keep talking about how important soundtracks were in the nineties, um, that is a great example. The fact that they were willing and able to spend the money for a two disc soundtrack of songs you've already heard. You oh, know, yeah. the, these are songs that everybody, except for, I guess, Brett and his family, um, hey. but everybody knew these songs. I mean, they were classics when this film came out. And so the ability to package and market a double disc set of songs everybody has already heard is amazing. Uh, and this list is, it's great. I mean, these are all songs that are uh, classics by every standard. I mean, you're talking about The Doors, Simon and Garfunkel, Jefferson Airplane, The Birds, Three Dog Night, The Supremes, Skinnerd, Jackson Brown. I mean, the list goes on. And so for, I, I don't know if you could come up with a better collection to represent what Forrest Gump was, uh, which is a boomer's wet dream. And to see all of this package, like it perfectly reflects that film. So it's, it deserves credit. So we're going to change it up a little bit. And for me, my number three is the Batman soundtrack. Hell yes. So Batman hits and will always hit. I mean, Batman's fucking great. But the most important thing about this is that this is a Prince album. <laughs> it is like a Prince we can, album. we can call it a soundtrack, but it's a fucking Prince album. Uh, and there is no uh, very similar to the Kendrick Lamar album for Black Panther. Um, there's no apologies with this album. You know, it is Prince being himself. He is um, sexy. He is graphic. Um, he is there to party. And this is one of the most fun albums I've ever listened to and still listen to on a regular basis. Oh, yeah. And I um, one of the things that's really fun about the Batman album is like, this was kind of in a, a bit of a fallow period for Prince. Not, not so much artistically. I think, you know, he just on love sexy. It was still, he was still, yeah. make, he was still making good music, but he hadn't had a hit in a while. Right. And, uh, from what I have learned about it is he almost kind of had to be talked into it a little bit, which that had to be an amazing 
pitch meeting and oh boy like well the whole batman pitch meeting's insane i mean like hey yeah. we're gonna take that goofy 60s show and we'll make it dark and we're gonna have the guy who made edward scissorhands do it and batman's gonna be mr mom <laughs> and prince will do the music like it's just it's bananas and it's why it's, yeah it's why it's so great but uh it's got my it's got my literal favorite Prince song on it. It's Party Man. I that's I I can listen to that song every day. In fact, uh, when I got married, my wife had to tell me that I could not play that once on the hour, every hour at the reception. So you know, man, if I wish I would have known that was on the table. Uh, oh boy, I this is another one. Party Man. I listen to on a regular basis. My kids listen to it. Um, you know, this whole album is just Prince being funky. And if if I played it for you, you would not know that it was the Batman soundtrack. Like if you hadn't seen the Batman movie, there is nothing in there that makes you think Batman. Uh, you know, as we know him today, you know, as this brooding dark knight. Um and so it's it's wild to see that Tim Burton film paired with this soundtrack and how wildly popular both continue to be. Um, you know, I, I think it's a testament to what a good thing they had going with the Batman franchise, you know, basically reviving that and definitely a testament to Prince's ability as an artist Basically, I'm going to make an album. We're going to put the Batman logo on it and it's going to sell for everyone. Well, like, you know, we dance around it, but can we talk about how insane Bat Dance is just in oh general? Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't understand that song. Like, first of all, it's it's a number one hit. Yeah, it, I, yeah. I don't know what else to say about it. like, I mean, it's not even it's not even is it it's barely music that's all i'm gonna say okay it is barely music yeah and you know and like all i remember is like that was what high school dance teams were like dancing to but right. again it's barely music so they're barely dancing and mm -hmm. oh man and that music video where he's like half batman and half the joker <laughs> oh wow it was it's, it's a lot and i mean like honestly it should be it's prince and it needs to be a lot but holy shit what what huh. that that movie and that soundtrack is what made clooney's nipples hard in batman forever <laughs> oh man yeah. It's like no matter how weird you think Batman 89 is, you can always just throw out Batman and Robin and be like, it got weird. Oh, yeah. Um, I, at this point, I do want to make honorable mention. It did not make my list, but the Batman Forever soundtrack uh, was really close to making my list just because it was another one that helped define the 90s. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, I mean, everybody remembers the seal song Kiss from a Rose uh, the smashing pumpkins. Like it was another one that just really captured, uh, the period, but it was associated with such a rough shitty movie that, uh, I couldn't put it on my list. You know, and what's, what's funny is, oh man, like the, that movie is bad, but I still think Jim Carrey did a great job. Like, especially, Oh um, yeah. When they 
finally put out the Batman 66 on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. If you watch the old Riddler from that show, that's what Jim, yeah. that's what Jim Carrey is doing. Like, Oh, he did his homework. Cause like, and I think people don't realize like how manic the Riddler was on that. Anyway, giant tangent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whole other episode guys. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, well, since I stepped all over you, why don't you give us your number two? Okay, well, uh, we're going to revisit Brett's number five. And uh, for me, this is the Black Panther album. I did rank it higher uh, because I felt like it captured the spirit of that film in such a way that even though it wasn't track for track what was used in the film, it really was, um, you know, an example of what that Black Panther film meant. Uh, to a lot of us and also obviously to Kendrick Lamar. Um, For me, it's great. Like I, especially with superhero soundtracks, you know, aside from Black Panther and Batman that we've listed here, I always kind of go in with a a huge grain of salt. Um, That's because they, you know, they usually have like Nickelback on them or whatever. Yeah. Like they put Nickelback on the Spider-Man soundtrack and I, I've never forgiven them for that. So, you know, normally I kind of cringe when I open up a, a soundtrack album for a superhero. And I was probably more apprehensive because Kendrick Lamar was involved and I'm a big fan of Kendrick Lamar. And so I was afraid that he had sold himself short for this soundtrack. And that was not the case. So uh, I'm extremely pleased with this. And so that's why we're talking about it twice in this episode. Well, yeah. And like like you said, it was it was. I was super excited when it was announced that he, that he was curating it, but it was also just like he he's just coming off this run of monster albums. I mean, he had, he had Mad City and he had he had Pimp a Butterfly and then he had Damn. And you're like, well, and now he's doing the All right. Uh, you know, it's just he had every reason to phone it in on this. Soundtrack. Yeah. And you could tell he just, you know, I mean, he it. he could have said, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to, you know, call some buddies and let them do a thing. I'll holler on the tracks a couple of times and everybody will be happy. But he put in a immense amount of work into the soundtrack and it really shows. Oh yeah. And it was just, it's, there's no bad tracks on it. There's tracks I like more than others, but there are no bad tracks. Oh yeah. Which that's, that's ready for any album, let alone a soundtrack album. Yes. So, uh, my number two album, um, we're going to go, back in time again yeah uh to 1995 um it's the soundtrack for clueless i love this album i remember (laughs) i remember the day i bought this album i bought it at a sam goody in des moines um it's it's a perfect little capsule of what that movie was because yeah. it's it's very cool and it's very focused on a like on a I feel like on a section of music that's going to that's for you know the age group they were aiming at it's just it's very it's super focused and the other thing I kind of really like about it is how feminine it is um yeah it really is like and it's not scared to be feminine like you know, uh, it's got a lot of female artists, um, mm-hmm. which is nice. Like it just it doesn't happen nearly as much as I feel like it should. And 
and there's just there's some bangers on there, man. I mean, it's got rolling with the homies, and then it's oh yeah, a couple. You know, it's got it's got the boss tones. It's you know, uh, it's got all right by Supergrass, which is like one of those '90s songs that I literally always kind of forget who who did it. Every time I hear it, I'm happy <laughs> right. I heard it. Um, right. And then you, this also had a Bowie cover. Yeah, on, right. It did. Um, God, what was the. It was all the young dudes. Right? Yeah. Uh, World Party is the name of the band that did it. Oh, OK. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and it's just it's just a really great snapshot of 95. I mean, it's it's got Cracker and Counting Crows and Luscious Jackson and Radiohead and Beastie oh, Boys. Jesus. And, you know, get me my. Yeah. You know, hat. it's just it's perfect. Like. um, I just really like it. It makes me think of the movie Clueless, which I also just really like. And, you know. It's it's just it's a lot of warm memories and like I've just I've listened to it a million times so it has reminded me that Paul Rudd is an ageless wonder oh, yeah uh, or a vampire whichever one you want to yeah he looked like an old dude in that movie but he the looks same now the exact same now in Ant Man uh, but yeah this this is one that's a great little snapshot of what was going on at the time. You're right about it being, uh, you know, female driven because this was, you know, in the same time period that, you know, no doubt was getting their big push, um, you know, and so like people were excited about having Gwen Stefani as a as a front person for a band. And, you know, here's an album with, uh, you know, shit, half the album is female driven mm-hmm. bands. So, well, and like, uh, again, um, did live in a sheltered house, but by the time I was 15, things had kind of busted out. But, um, you know, this is also like the boss tones, like that's a lot of people's first introduction to ska, you know, like it was right. Just kind of a cool little, cool little thing. So, um, this is going to probably be a rarity, but I have a feeling and by feeling, I mean, I already know that our number ones are the same. Oh, uh, the number one soundtrack album. And like, I mean, this is all technically subjective, but I feel like it's pretty objective that the best soundtrack album ever is Purple Rain. Yeah, there's no subjectivity to this. Uh, fucking fight me. Uh, Purple Rain is it. Well, I mean, it I, I mean, it it defined his career. It defined like an era in music, basically. Um it's got like the songs on it are just the songs on it are insane. Like it's just what, yeah. I mean, the, the songs are classics. I mean, it, it's not just a throwaway album. I mean, these are classics from Prince that ended up on a soundtrack. Well, yeah. And I mean, like I would, I would say like legitimately like what, Let's go crazy. When doves cry, I would die for you. And purple rain. Those are like, those are top ten Prince songs. You know, I mean, and like I and like yeah. I love Computer yeah. Blue and I love Darling Nikki and you know like I like all these other ones, but like he's got a crazy. He's got a half half the album is yeah. It's a, it's a, he's got a crazy catalog, and when you consider that 
yeah, that much is coming off of one album. It's bananas. And there's just so much to it. Like I love um, when you like, if you ever open up the vinyl and it comes with this giant poster for no reason of like half that half black, half white face with the tear and like, mm-hmm. why, why not? It's Prince. He just does what he, yeah. you know, and, um, and the new deluxe edition that they've just put out, what a year ago, two years ago. Uh, that's really cool. It's just yeah. got all kinds of like little bonuses and, uh, B sides. And it's just, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I like it because, and like, I like it because Prince would have hated the fact that I got to hear it. If that makes any sense, because, (laughs) you know, such a perfectionist and all that, but it's just, it's a brilliant thing. And that movie can't work without the soundtrack, which is the only like legitimately it's the only one. I mean, maybe, maybe not Forrest Gump, but you know, like very, very rarely are there soundtracks like that. that If, if it's not expressly a musical, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing is the purple rain, uh, the film isn't technically a musical. No. Um, you know, it, but if you remove that soundtrack, there is no movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, every, every key point of that film is described with a song from the soundtrack. Um, you know, and, especially for an artist making and starring in his own film. Uh, it's not like eight mile, you know, like, and no disrespect to eight mile. It's fine. Um, it was a lot but, better when it first came out and now, and now it's a lot. Yeah. Harder, seriously, but I get what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, to, eight mile didn't catapult Eminem into stardom. He was already there. Um, you know, and Prince was too, don't get me wrong, but this is the moment. One of the moments where people realized he was for real. Um, you know, regardless of what genre of music you subscribe to or, you know, enjoy, uh, there was no escaping this album. And for that to be from a movie that at times is kind of wonky, um, you know, it, it's kind of chunky and rough. And this soundtrack is just so damn perfect that there was no arguing it. There was no escaping it. Well, and like um, what's wild is like, you know, the album that came out before this was 1999 and like, right. you know, and at that point, you know, 1999 was the high watermark and it's that that you're not going to top that. And then Purple Rain comes out and like, yeah, the other thing that I feel like we can thank Purple Rain for is just Prince was always cocky, but like Purple Rain put him on another level, like him saying that the only reason they call Michael Jackson's bad bad was because it couldn't fit terrible on the on this on the spine that's because <laughs> purple rain is awesome okay you know like that's i love him yeah so you know much. i mean it's it's just it's 
the perfect soundtrack. Like it, and like it's exactly what like it's what I think of, and I th- and I can't think of any other. Well, yeah, I, I think for a lot of the other ones on our list here, um, they've they serve as time capsules. You know, we we've talked about going back to 1994 or 1995 or 1997 for a lot of these films. Um, and these soundtracks serve as that time capsule and it's great. Uh, that's uh, a big chunk of what they're supposed to do, but the purple rain album. And I would argue, you know, that I think the black Panther album is another one that will stand the test of time. Uh, but the Purple Rain album especially is one that has survived for decades. You know, people still love Prince with the same vigor that they did 30 years ago. Uh, when you look at his Super Bowl performance from 2007 and, you know, this moment where it's raining in Miami and he's playing his guitar, uh, I mean, just an absolutely beautiful, the best Super Bowl halftime show, hands down. Um, and the big song's Purple Rain. You know, he was playing, he was playing a song that was 33 oh, years yeah. old. And it still hits for everyone at the same level. And so for me, that's just uh, a testament that Prince is, you know, one of, if not the greatest musician of a generation. Oh, yeah. Like, Quite frankly, that should, that might be how we start closing out every episode, just letting you all know that Prince is better than anything you like right now. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Purple Rain's bomb. Well, anyway, that's that's our top that's our top five on that on the on the old soundtrack. I I feel like you know we've closed the book on that. Nobody else's opinion will be as right as ours is. So. As uh, yeah yeah and that yeah and as fun. always if you like it let us know if you don't we don't need to hear it we will be back soon ish yeah soon ish uh, I think we've got a couple ideas in the pipe here that we're going to talk about um, you know maybe dig deep into some things you wouldn't expect but uh, we look forward to having you guys stick around with us and uh, we hope you enjoy the list as much as we do. Yeah.